1: Everyone, welcome to the MCU Lorecast. I'm Captain Chenko, and I'm Psych88. We're gonna be talking about one of the first movies in the next phase of the MCU—a uh, tiny, completely unimportant film called Iron Man 3.
0: I mean, according to some of the fan base, they would say it's an unimportant film. Uh, I—they'd be wrong, but you know, <laughs> Equally was
1: important, absolutely gigantic, and with lots of talking points. For sure. So we're kicking off Iron Man 3. And like you said, the fan base is very split down the middle about this movie. I have matured in my appreciation of it uh, as time has gone on. I used to be firmly in the camp of I'm not a huge fan of Iron Man 3. But now that I've gone back and watched it, in retrospect, it's not as terrible as it was made out to be.
0: Yeah, I think what it was, what. One of the things that contributed to it was just the mindset of the audience going into it. We had just come off of The Avengers, which was that high stakes, high epic science fiction hero movie, right? And then we get buddy cop Iron Man 3, right? Like that's a huge uh, paradigm shift. And let's face it, most people don't handle a decent paradigm shift very well, much less something on such a cultural level.
1: But anyway, we can jump straight into the plot synopsis because we've got a lot of ground to cover and a couple of character introductions to get to, too. Um, And we, so, like you said, we're fresh off the Avengers and we're getting back into the more personal stories of our characters. And we're going back to 1999. Tony meets this scientist, Maya Hansen, and she's the inventor of this program called Extremis. And it is showing remarkable recovery rates for crippling injuries. And Aldrich Killian offers her a place at his company, uh, but Stark rejects that <laughs> completely. Uh, this kind of comes back to bite him later in the movie.
0: Yeah, as he, as he claims, he made a bunch of demons that night. Killian was trying to recruit Hanson for advanced idea mechanics, which, as soon as those words left his mouth, you're just like, ah, there's our bad guy. Like, if you if you know, you know, and that's it. Like, seeds are done, that's it.
1: So now it's
0: December, about a couple months after the
1: Battle of New York, and Tony's not doing so hot. He went through some stuff during the Battle of New York, between all the explosions and the... Near death experience, flying a nuclear bomb into an alien ship, and then subsequently falling through a wormhole, pretty much to your death if your big green buddy the Hulk hadn't ripped you out of midair.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh,
1: to say to say that he is not coping very well is the understatement of the century. Uh, he's not sleeping well. He's suffering from PTSD, and as a result. He spends his time tinkering in his workshop and has built dozens upon dozens of Iron Man suits to cope with the not sleeping. And that's putting a lot of tension on his new relationship with Pepper. Yeah, that would do it. Like It's like, hey, you're ne- you never come to bed and then I go back down you've got a new Iron Man suit. Because that's what normal people do when they can't sleep. They don't Go downstairs, make himself a cup of chamomile, and try to roll over and find a cool spot on the pillow. No, I'm gonna build...
0: Yeah. ...an Iron Man's... (laughs) You know, I deal with my insomnia by uh, going down and playing a video game, or... uh, Oh, you know, coming into the library and opening up a a book, new or old, or whatever. But now, when you're a tech, multi-billionaire, philanthropist, whatever, uh, you spend all that money building suits. Which, I don't know how he still has money. Like, isn't Stark Industries dead? Like, but whatever. Whatever. Uh, plot. <laughs> That's why he still
1: has money. Uh, anyway, so a string of bombings has kind of occurred over the course of time, and all of them are being claimed by this terrorist calling himself the Mandarin. And... The intelligence agencies from around the world are just kind of baffled. They've never seen this guy. They don't know who he is or where he's coming from, and there's no forensic evidence to back up any of his claims.
0: I mean, there's no forensic evidence for the bomb, so they can't track it. Like, yeah, normally when a you know a bomb goes off, there's uh, residue, there's uh, parts. You can always back trace of. Uh, you know, figure out where the the components were bought, or maybe if you're lucky, somehow a fingerprint survived on an undisturbed piece of it or whatever. You know, some forensics is left. But these but it's bombings... it's squeaky.
1: It's squeaky clean.
0: Yeah. All, all they know is a lot of heat, a big explosion, and a lot of dead. And that's it. And they're happening on American soil. This isn't happening, you know, across out in the desert or anything. No. These are towns here in the u.s parts are just being blown up and you've got terrorists uh claiming i mean we know as who we are as people what happens when real bad things happen 9-11 we came together boston uh marathon kind of came together and so if you are but we've never had something like a string of terrorist bombings like that 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 were covered so extensively Mm-hmm.
1: One of the atta- yeah, one of the attacks happens at the Chinese theater, and our guy Happy Hogan kind of gets caught in the crossfire, and he's injured during that explosion, and ends up in a coma. And this makes Tony very upset. He issues a public statement on television to the Mandarin, giving his home address out, not just to the Mandarin, but to like the world.
0: In hindsight, not a smart idea.
1: <laughs> and, you know, the Mandarin responds in kind by sending gunships to destroy the mansion. Uh, Hansen appears, and she she had come to warn Tony, and she survives the, the explosions and the attacks with Pepper. And Tony escapes the scene in his newest experimental suit, and... If we want to call it plot armor, this one is patchy at best.
0: This yeah, this this is literal plot armor. <laughs> Mark 42 has like it is the literal use of plot armor. hadn't even considered that until right this second. <laughs> oh my god, is that true? Talk about a suit that does everything you need when you need it at the exact time. Talk about the armor dictates the
1: plot. It breaks down and falls apart when it is convenient for the plot.
0: (laughs) Or not convenient for the plot, but still in a funny way. Like, that was probably the other reason for such a decisive split. this movie tried really hard to interject some some comedy, some slapstick comedy into the superhero universe.
1: It doesn't really work for Iron Man. Yeah. (laughs) Because, like, he's funny but it's highbrow funny, like i'm smarter than you funny. Uh with witty comebacks and quick thinking and wit, not so much the slapstick.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this one was much more bodily in its uh in its humor. Like he gets he gets this the mark 42 first put together, right? Except it's missing the butt piece and it slams into him sending him flying across the room. Like that <laughs> is something you would see in the three stooges. Uh
1: so The suit is still definitely a work in progress, and Jarvis pilots it to rural Tennessee following a plan kind of put in motion by Stark's investigation into the Mandarin. Um, It doesn't- it runs out of battery when he gets to his destination, and as such, he can't really return to California to, to let everyone know that he's not dead. So there's a, a public belief that he that he's dead.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and that, like any uh, any not-dead billionaires would do, he enlists the help of a child. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. However, in, in Stark's defense, I would say that he didn't know what was and wasn't compromised at that point. Like, he knew his own internal servers would be fine, which is how he was able to leave a message for Pepper. But... You know, he couldn't just reach out without maybe putting other people in danger, right? Mm-hmm. He, had seen, he had seen the error of his lack of sleep, impromptu, uh, impertinent, you know, way of thinking of, yeah, I'm going to challenge him. Well, now my house is blown up. My girlfriend almost died. My one night stand also almost died. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should lay low for a little while, which is what he does. Also, yeah. come on. It's a kid sidekick. It's a superhero movie. We haven't had a kid si- sidekick since, uh, well, Schumacher. So maybe maybe we needed to come back to it.
1: I don't know. Uh, yeah, so he, he enlists the help of Harley and investigates the most recent uh, local explosion. And so he discovers that the bombings were actually people. The bombs were people. They were people who were subjected to the extremist program whose bodies ended up rejecting it. And in their rejection, they literally combust at high temperature and explode. And then he uncovers that they attributed these explosions to a terrorist plot to un- to cover up extremists and its problems. He Ends up witnessing extremists when he's attacked by two Mandarin agents.
0: Yeah, and the only real flaw I have with that fight he has with uh, uh Savin
1: mm-hmm. was and when Brand. he blew her yeah. up.
0: When he blows her up, utilizing a microwave with dog tags in it and a, uh, a pulled gas line, he is outside the building using the door to. An ice box to protect his body from the explosion. And that door only covers, I would say, the top third of his body. And yet he's perfectly fine. Plot armor. Well, he wasn't wearing it, so I don't know. (laughs) This is an explosion that we see. They literally show what happens to her. She gets blown, like, hundreds of feet into power lines, which actually is what kills her, I think. And... And yet he was literally just maybe ten feet from the door utilizing a metal barrier to protect the top third of his body. Like, come on, guys.
1: Yeah, so he kills one of them and incapacitates the other. And at the same time, Killian ends up showing back up and kidnaps Pepper with the help from Maya Hansen.
0: He had shown up earlier, and he looked... Remarkably different from... When they met. <laughs> from when Stark had met him back in 99. I, I think they were kind of going for a... Because um, he had a, a cane, heavy-duty cane, and a, and a hunched look to him. Scoliosis. I think they were trying to go with a, like a scoliosis, Quasimodo kind of look, right? And then here he is, you know, seven years later or whatever, or however many years later, and he's standing up straight. He's got... He looks like a supermodel, right? Or you know, Guy Pierce <laughs> on the <his> superhero <laughs> diet. <laughs> like worlds far removed from the guy he had been. But yeah, uh, so yeah, he comes back and turns out Hanson was had been trying to kidnap Tony actually to get him to come work on the extremist to get it to stop doing the big explosions. And instead they kidnap Pepper so that they now have leverage on Stark.
1: Bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) So the American intelligence agencies are still trying to find the Mandarin. And Rhodey, who used to be War Machine, has gotten a new coat of paint. (laughs) And we end up with what happens when Captain America is allowed to pick the color palette for an Iron Man suit.
0: The Iron Patriot. I don't think Cap had anything to do with that decision-making process.
1: No, but I want to know who did, because that... It's a lot. I mean... It's yeah, very it's, patriotic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm, I like the War machine paint job a whole lot better. But I guess we needed a symbol in these dark times.
0: Right. You know, from the in-universe world perspective, right, the world has just been rocked. They were able to at least cover up Thor's visit, but there was no covering up an alien invasion of New York City. I can't even imagine what people were thinking. Like, just, you know, your everyday people going about their lives and suddenly, you know, aliens meme, right? It's aliens. Now that's a thing. Like, that's for legit, real there are aliens, they are out there, and they want us dead. So people are scared. And so, yeah, I'm not surprised the US government said, well, we've got a superhero, we're paying him a colonel's salary, slap some paint on him, get him out there, show that we are in control of the situation. That's what they did. I mean, it's kind of like bringing back Captain America for
1: the, you know, the, bo- the bonds, the war bonds tour. Mm-hmm. They needed that positive symbol of America, so they gave him the they gave him the Iron Patriot. Uh, anyway, so Tony ends up tracking the Mandarin to Miami and infiltrates the mansion headquarters using a bunch of improvised weapons.
0: <laughs> he went to a hardware store and basically home aloned this. <laughs> <Yeah>. Home alone. <laughs> If you're a tech billionaire, with a Dora one, <laughs> it's limited edition.
1: Uh, so he he takes out all of the little guards using a you know an array of different types of weapons. He makes like these knockoff Widow's Bite uh, taser things. It it was pretty great. Uh, I could definitely see that they wanted to kind of showcase Tony's intelligence in a different way than it had been done before. Um, Like in Iron Man 1, Obadiah got real mad because his guys couldn't replicate what Tony Stark built in a cave with a box of scraps. Well, Uh look what Tony can do with a credit card and access to a hardware store. (laughs) Your mansion in Miami's not safe from Tony Stark (laughs) with improvised weapons. Uh, So he uh, ends up discovering the Mandarin. And, uh, hello, his name is Trevor. I'm an actor. (laughs)
0: i'm an actor
1: (laughs) i love ben kingsley and uh i think he he played the clueless idiot very well
0: here yeah i love trevor personally like i thought when i saw the movie for the first time i thought that was the greatest twist on a superhero comic book i had ever seen i am i feel like i'm in the minority on that I don't care. (laughs) I felt weird
1: about it at the beginning, partially because there has been a tendency in media to whitewash um, historically ethnic roles. but And that's kind of where a lot of the irritation came in. But that being said, the Mandarin in the comics is not necessarily... A character that I feel the Asian community should have been super upset about because he is steeped in a whole lot of yeah yellow fear, yellow terror, and and racist tropes. So now, especially after Shang Chi and how they handled that, uh, I have grown to appreciate it a little bit more uh, because you know we now kind of have the real quote-unquote Mandarin and and a little bit more of that lore, and it's, I guess, retconned itself in that way. So it is it is what it is. It was what it was at the time, and people were mad about it. And it's, honestly, I think it's aged well, um, especially with the current climate. I think if they had given us the actual kind of semi-racist Mandarin, it would have not been a good thing. So good thinking ahead, Marvel. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll discuss the Mandarin in the second half. Just all the the problematic stuff. However, so as great as Stark is at home aloning this thing, he does end up being captured again. Killian's like, Hey, I got your girl. I got a problem. Only you can solve it. So here's our incentive program. And when Stark tells him off, basically... Um, and then Maya tries to have a conscience there in the last bit. Killian offs her real quick and is like, Oh hey, got an open position, upper management, get to work. Like he, he, like Killian's not gonna him, take no for an answer. He, he backs him into a corner and,
1: and says, You don't really have an option here. You're gonna help me or we we gave we gave Pepper the the bad stuff. We gave her the extremists. So, if you don't fix it, she's gonna blow up. That's it. <laughs> uh, so Tony escapes.
0: Yeah, he he manages to get out utilizing plot armor, and we get to see probably one of the best henchmen of all time. Just be like, hey, you know what, man? Uh, they're nuts. Uh, I don't shoot you. I put this down. I walk away. Yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> I forgot that, bit until I saw it rec- Like, I just watched it for this episode, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's here.
1: Okay. Yeah. So he, Tony reunites with Rhodey, mm-hmm. and they discover that our guy Killian is going to try to assassinate the president using the Iron Patriot armor, but it's controlled by Savin, one of his agents. Uh, Tony ends up killing Savin, uh, saving... The passengers and crew that are on Air Force One. But Killian ends up abducting the president and destroying the plane.
0: And then we've got our burl monkeys. Yeah,
1: they 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 tell everyone to link arms and then they just kind of slowly drop them into the ocean. And I'm glad that they can all swim. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's modern times. It's way more unlikely to find someone who can't swim than to find someone who can't. Uh, who, you know what I mean. You know what I'm trying to say. Thank you.
1: More people can swim these days than they could in the 40s. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, so we, we catch it back up and we come to our climax. Kind of uh, stark and roads. They have infiltrated yet another of Killian's bases. You would think Killian would get better guys at this point, but whatever.
1: After destroying Air Force One and tracing Killian to his new compound, uh, it's kind of found out that the vice president was behind some of it. He was the puppet leader because he was going to exchange extremists uh to cure his daughter's disability. So the the whole idea was that Killian was gonna kill the president, the vice president would become president, and then he would get extremists for his daughter. And the oil rig that they are fighting on starts collapsing around them. And the the daughter or and Pepper falls into the, into the collapsing rig. And Tony thinks that she's gone. He uh, just watched the love of his life drop to her death.
0: Yeah, that was
1: kind of traumatic. Just a little bit. You know, he's been through, he hasn't been through enough yet. We gotta make him real sad to give him even more of a reason to fight. So he, Tony and, and Killian uh, have themselves a little a little battle, but Killian ends up, Cornered, and he reveals to Tony that he's actually the Mandarin, and Slattery's just the cover. He's the face. That's they were using his image to scare people. Uh, while he's villain monologuing, Pepper makes her reappearance because her extremist powers let her survive her fall, and she ends up just taking out Killian to save Tony. Yeah, that yeah. anyway
0: yeah that was that was a fight
1: (laughs) it yeah it was quick (laughs) it was a quick one she was just like nope I'm alive boom gone Uh, in a gesture of devotion Tony orders Jarvis to destroy all the Iron Man suits and they fly up and explode in brilliant fashion Uh, the vice president and our guy Trevor are arrested and Happy wakes up from his coma it's all all happy. Tony figures out how to uh, stabilize the effects of extremis and we never hear about it again. <laughs> and he also promises that promises her that he's going to dial it back as Iron Man. He even undergoes surgery to remove all the shrapnel from his chest and then he throws his arc reactor into the ocean because even without it he is still Iron Man, and with that, that's kind of the end of the plot synopsis there, and we'll go to our mid-break now.
0: Alright, well, welcome to the mid-break. If you've stuck with us this, this long, uh, we like to thank you for supporting us and doing all of the cool stuff, like, you know, uh, checking out our Patreon and telling your friends about us and leaving leaving those five-star reviews. Uh, speaking of our patreon we've got two new members to announce a julie wagner and steven patricks we both have signed up for our defender tier so tier three thank you both very much for that and you can you know if you haven't yet tossed us a five-star review on spotify or apple or wherever it is you happen to be listening you know if you got two seconds to to do that By all means, knock one out. We would love to hear from you on it. Speaking of, we do have a new review. Uh, Shanko, would you like to do the honors?
1: Yes, I would. I'm really happy that we have another review, finally. So, we've got a five-star review. says, amazing podcast. Five stars. From Courier 7. Syke and Shanko do an excellent job of explaining the lore of the movies and comic books. I've been a big fan of Marvel since the first X-Men movie, so I'm really interested in this podcast and all the future topics, so I highly recommend this podcast if you're into all things Marvel. Oh, that's really sweet.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, (sighs) Courier7. We do this so that other fans can be like, oh, hey, there are people talking about it. Let's talk about comic books and superheroes and whatnot, because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I need a good hour and a half of escapism at this point
1: (laughs) definitely i i realize now how much i look forward to recording and making these shows because i have i have a great time coming on here and just talking about comics for an hour and a half (laughs) <laughs> and having it be an intelligent conversation because it's so easy to just be like, "Oh yeah, you know, that Chris Evans, he's real cute." And you can that that's fine. And I get that sometimes. But I also want to talk about why he was a compelling Captain America or why the supporting cast of this movie was so great or why I'm happy that Iron Man 3 didn't rely on the racist tropes of the character of the Mandarin to make the character work. Uh-huh. So, I I enjoy it, and I'm glad that other people are enjoying it, too, and and we love hearing from you. So, if anyone else wants to drop a review, we would love to read it, and we will read any five-star reviews in the
0: uh, the mid-break. Yeah, and if you don't want to just leave us a review, you want to talk to us, you can hit us up on the Robots Radio Discord. We have a channel there for the MCU broadcast. You can also hit us up on Twitter at mculorecast or gmail also mculorecast at gmail you know you know we're happy to talk to you in any any means that you feel comfortable talking to us from. but speaking of reviews and whatnots i think we still need to talk about bearded brown coat yeah yeah so bearded brown coat is the sponsor
1: of today's episode they are an awesome comic shop here in my hometown of ocala florida They've got two locations, one off of State Route 200 and one a little bit further south in Bellevue in the Publix Plaza, or right next to. Uh, It is an amazing shop. If you want comic books, back issues, first appearances, they've got tabletop gaming, all kinds of stuff. For all of your nerdy interests, you can do trade-ins, they take retro games they'll buy comic books uh, so if you are interested in any of that if you want to go shop a really cool store and if you want to support this show even more go check out Beard of brown coat tell them that Psych and shanko of the mcu Lorecast cast sent you they'd love to hear from you and i'd love to hear that they got a couple of people from us so go check them out guys
0: yep a uh, link for bearded brown coat will be in the episode description all right and beyond that Shenko, I feel like we are very busy people and I don't know how that happened, but where else can people find us when they want to just hear our lovely voices but not talk about MCU? Oh well, if you want to hear me talk
1: about other stuff other than the MCU, I've got two other shows on the Robots Radio Network. God. I am one I am one half of the Wizarding World Lorecast, a Harry Potter podcast where we deep dive into the magic lore, the stories, the history of the wizarding world, Harry Potter. So if you're into that, go check us out. The show I do with Ben of Tamaria, and we're having a really good time with it. Also, if you are into my fight breakdowns from this show, and you want to hear more, and you want to learn more about martial arts in general, I have finally released episode zero of The Fight Space. It's a martial arts podcast, one of the only female-led martial arts podcasts on the internet and if you're interested in learning about all of that come check out the fight space
0: dang like all right yeah that's cool um what
1: about you psych where can they find you
0: uh you can find me playing the character jack parizzo dashing human csec agent in the mass effect blue shift a tabletop rpg live play recorded session utilizing the fate game system which is different from your typical d20s system and that is you know it's run by my wife sophia justine and a couple of my local friends here uh we have a pretty grand old time and yeah we just we investigate cases on the citadel my wife utilizes her love and uh falling asleep to forensic files and you know true crime to really give these cases some life in a way that's mass effect specific but is universal to us all
1: i've been having a really good time listening to blue shift thanks
0: but enough about us i guess i mean i I could just go on forever about myself really but i believe i've got characters i gotta talk about All
1: right, Psych. Who, who you got today? We've got a couple of character introductions and a couple new faces or new variations to talk about today.
0: Yep. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start with our hero first, because he's the only new one here. The Iron Patriot, introduced in Dark Avengers number one in March 2009 by Brian Michael Bendis and Mike Diodato. The first Iron Patriot was actually Norman Osborn, which would probably explain the color scheme. In the comics, he had taken over S.H.I.E.L.D. from Tony Stark after the events of the major crossover event Secret Invasion, which we will be seeing here in Phase 5. And we will definitely talk more about Secret Invasion when that happens. Rhodes would get the armor sometime after Osborn went completely mad back to his Green Goblin ways, during the Siege event, which was another big major crossover event, which ended the Hammer saga that S.H.I.E.L.D. had become. Yes, Marvel loves its weapon acronyms. There's S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hammer and Sword. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's not unusual or weird or anything. Strike.
1: Strike.
0: <laughs> yes. His time as Iron Patriot? lasts about as long as his time Iron Patriot does in the movie. Like, a whole seven minutes. <laughs> he goes back to War Machine pretty quick, and it's all good.
1: I mean, I don't really blame him. That, that color scheme was a bit much for day-to-day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Alright, now, I noticed I hadn't actually been introducing them, but that's okay. You get enough overall, but because they only show up for this movie... I'm going to talk to you about AIM. They were introduced in Strange Tales number 146 in July 1966 by Lee and Kirby. Advanced idea mechanics started as a branch of HYDRA by Baron Strucker and would go on to create lasting pieces of Marvel Comics history such as the Cosmic Cube, Super Adaptoid, and MODOK. The tesseract would be the MCU equivalent of the cosmic cube, and obviously that wasn't created by AIM or anybody. That was a stone. And if you know who MODOK is, he's the big floating head uh, that is basically designed to kill everything. Most of the time, AIM is a terrorist organization. Most of the time, AIM is a terrorist organization that is hell bent on taking over the world, utilizing the latest in scientific discoveries. Mostly to their own destruction. Basically, if you need faceless bad guys, aim pretty well works.
1: Yeah, that that nefarious AOL instant messenger. They're just up to no good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, so now we get to some of the faces, right? We've got Maya Hansen. She was introduced in Iron Man Volume 4, which what that means is it's the fourth iteration of Iron Man comics, so... Iron Man Volume 4, Number 1, in January 2005, by Warren Ellis and Addie Granoff. Movie and comic book character is pretty accurate, pretty one to one. Though in the comics, she was tricked into giving the Mandarin, and actually was the Mandarin, not our Trevor Slattery, but giving the Mandarin extremist samples instead of being a willing participant like she was in the movie. Unfortunately, she dies in a later event after Secret Invasion, and she has not been brought back. One of the bigger deviations from the comic book is Aldrich Killian, also introduced in the same comic book as Hansen. He was barely anybody in the book. He worked on Extremis, for pharmaceutical company that was developing it, and when he realized kind of what it was going to be doing and whatever he died at his own hands during the events of the comic book. He has not been revived since. He doesn't go on to become a supervillain and have regeneration powers and breathe fire out of his mouth and whatever that the movie decided to do.
1: I guess that's why Pepper just got to punch him off-screen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was that one that one was an odd one. Like obviously that was a callback to the book rather than introducing Baron Strucker, right, who created AIM as a branch of Hydra. Well, Hydra's been dead, right? Quote, quote, for, uh, since the end of World War II. So you can't, you can't do that. That's not been established.
1: And I, I have my gripes about that kind of stuff too, when we get to our next movie we're going to be talking about, because, um, it would have been a great opportunity for Marvel to start seeding that storyline in other films of Phase Two if they had done Strucker. Instead of Killian, because it would have canonically fit in better with using AIM as their bad guy, or their bad organization, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the character of Perrin Strucker in the in the comics, so I would have been happy to see him make his movie appearance over someone, like you said, who is really not much of anyone.
0: Yeah. Alright, so now we've saved sort of the big guy for last here, and that is the Mandarin. Introduced in Tales of Suspense number 50 in February 1964 by Lee and Don Heck. Look, the Mandarin does not have a great origin story for us. Heck has stated in several interviews that Lee wanted a Fu Manchu character, and thus the Mandarin and all of those early books where Stark fights him are full of negative Asian stereotypes coupled with rich white man savior tropes thrown in. It's not a pretty time of comics through the 60s, and I'd say the 70s even. At the time, we were we were in Vietnam. This would have been
1: after the Korean War, too.
0: Right. This
1: is only 10 years post the Korean War. So there's not the most positive public view, especially in America, of Asian culture.
0: No. You have... You have what? You have soldiers returning from Korea with wives, right? They saved from savagery or whatever, or whatever, you know, however they wanted to paint it up, right? They come back over here and Americans hate them because they're Korean. And then we move into communist China, we move into Vietnam, and it's just back to back to back negative Asian portrayals in media because we're. Sort of at war with them for like twenty years. It's not surprising that our comic books, as an art form, would reflect that negativity and those stereotypes. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. It's just not surprising.
1: Yeah, we can't go back and change what people were feeling in the sixties. We can only influence how we react to it today. And yes, like I say it, like I stated earlier, I do think now, especially with how time has progressed the handling of the Mandarin while it was shocking, and while people did not agree with it, I can understand why Marvel went that direction. I know they can't predict what would have happened within, you know, 15 years of this movie coming out, but uh, having him become kind of this goofy twist villain, it, it kind of fit with some of the slapstick that they were going for with this movie, and I appreciated that they didn't rely on those same kind of racist tropes. they made the character a joke because I think to handle it in any other way would have been a very unsteady ground to try to tread on indeed and that that's the that and that's me as a you know Asian American person too you know it's kind of how I I choose to view that because with anything like that sometimes I I look at it and I you know i don't think they had an asian person on the set for that because that wouldn't have flown Under you know <laughs> and and then i did like the callbacks down the line and we'll talk about it again when we get to shang chi but i like how they handled that with with them saying they were afraid of an orange
0: <laughs> yeah and maybe at some point we would have to cover some of those shorts because kingsley does re he does take his Trevor Slattery role again for All Hail the King. It was a Marvel short that they were putting out that the shorts sort of told stories between the, the big movies. Like there's, there's another one that stores that stars Coulson taking out a couple of guys in a gas station on his way to New Mexico. And this is another one is All Hail the King. And we'll probably talk about that at some point because I did forget about them until doing the research for this movie. So Yeah final thoughts well yeah i've got i've got a couple of thoughts so one of the other things one of the other big reasons i felt marvel probably changed the mandarin from uh, a chinese villain into the slattery character was because of the marketing presence of china iron man 3 grossed 409 million in north america and 805.8 million in Overseas for a worldwide total in the billions. Okay. Mm -hmm. Of that overseas money, 307.7 million of that was China. So we see nearly half of their overseas money coming from China for this movie.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: When you are in marketing and you're thinking about the ways to make the most, one of the things you don't do is tick off a massive buying. Presence. We saw the same thing with uh, the rebooted Red Dawn movie. They had initially intended for the Chinese to be the uh, invading army because it would have made sense with the world politics that are still on today. But that was changed to the North Koreans to not tick off the Chinese because uh, I forget who put who distributed that one, but they wanted that, they wanted that money. Mm -hmm. I feel like some of the decision to do what they did with Mandarin was also a business decision. It wasn't just a cultural stereotype or uh, a way to uh, avoid the negative stuff they've done. It was also a business decision
1: I would I I would like at some point and and we get it. A little bit down the line later in later movies, but I feel like a lot of these early films relied on a big bad and a small bad Mm, yes, to carry their plot. And very few of them have one conclusive villain to kind of rally behind.
0: Yeah, we were still that a lot, weren't we?
1: Yeah, because even, you know, Loki had the Frost Giants behind him, and the Red Skull, you know, there was... As uh, Diazola, and you know every single one of the villains just could not manage to stand on them on their own, and this one is no different. We get Killian and our you know twist villain of Trevor Slattery, uh, and I I do like that Ben Kingsley gets to come back and and continue to give the character its due because I I do end up liking what they did with with Trevor to fully lean into the completely out of touch actor bit
0: (laughs) so my last bit is actually the comic itself we finally have a book that or we finally have a movie that has its screenplay origin in a well-known book like up until then up until now all of our movies have been origin movies right so you just put together a modern retelling of the origin story that's all you really needed to do you pull various aspects from it to modernize it and that's you you're good to go this one is from you know, uh, is from the extremis comic book line that ran between january 2005 and april 2006 by as i stated warren ellis and addie Granoff, and it's set between the formation of the new avengers which if you are familiar with comic books the avengers had gone through a disassembled story arc and they had They had ended basically being the Avengers. So it's between that and the inciting incident for civil war in the comic books, which we'll talk about a lot. (laughs) Yes. So in this, it's a biological virus in the hands of terrorists. So that part pretty much moved to the screen correctly. Though these guys are domestic terrorists. They're not trying to portray it as an outside influence terrorizing United States citizens. And of course, Iron Man has to come in and save the day. Again, one of the other big differences here is that in the comic, Stark gets injured real bad, like real on his deathbed bad, and he has to take a modified version of the Extremis serum. He had worked out some of the kinks. He had done away with some of the superpowers that the virus was giving people, and he, he does this, and in doing so, he becomes sort of one with his armor in a way that was even more invasive than just having the the reactor in his chest. He he and his armor become one. Yikes. That sounds yeah. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. The time frame for that Stark is very interesting and I feel like some of that is what some of that is what pushes Stark to do the decisions he makes going forward and what we see him do within Civil War And uh, and Secret Invasion and all the other stuff, so yeah, an Easter egg for the people who were who know the book and know the movie. The president was President Ellis, that is not a coincidence. The president was named that in honor of Warren Ellis, the writer. And so, yeah, that's that is what I have for comic book lore and history. This is one of the
1: more controversial, so to speak, movies for this phase. I I ultimately think that Phase 2 is one of the strongest phases for the MCU. Just because, I mean, two of my favorite personal MCU films come out of Phase 2. And we get to talk about both of those very, very soon. So I'm excited, to say the least. Uh, And we're obviously going to continue to talk about Iron Man. Because he's going to make a couple more appearances, even though he's done with solo films.
0: Yeah, uh, RDJ's contract. Yeah, his contract had ended uh after iron man 3 uh, it had to be kind of modified and renegotiated to continue doing stuff with iron man it's why this movie sort of ends the way it does because at the time they didn't quite know what rdj was going to do until he signed the paperwork do you have any like last thoughts likes dislikes i know i do but i want you to go first i've been talking my voice is about to give out I gotcha. Um, I think my only kind of gripe
1: is in, in that ending that they gave Tony, where he throws the arc reactor into the ocean, no longer has that physical attachment to Iron Man, where he is, you know, basically fused with the power source. In a way, it kind of kills the character progression for Tony. And I know that they do end up bringing him back. But to end his story like that, where he just is like, I don't need this to be Iron Man, but I've destroyed all my suits and I don't have this arc reactor in my chest anymore. So I'm going to have to develop something in order to continue to be Iron Man. And leaving it there, I don't know. I just, I feel like it, it limited what they could have done with Tony moving forward. And, and, and it made it less convenient, I guess, to get back to him being Iron Man because now he's starting over from basically nothing. We see him... I, I so like that he loaded up Dummy in a,
0: <laughs> in a trailer on his sports car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, The man is he claims he is not sentimental and he doesn't care about anything and yet what is like the one thing he pulls out of that thing his first robot like come on that's that is a great little like nod to the heart that stark has he cares he cares so much he's going to put back together a robot he calls dummy because that's that's what he does
1: yeah, he doesn't have the heart to get rid of Dummy. No. And I don't have the heart to get rid of Dummy. I love that thing.
0: <laughs> I think if- it was hurting him to watch, like, yeah, all his stuff being dumped into the, the ocean, but I think it hurt him a lot when he saw Dummy was just like, uh, things are going on. Uh. <clears throat> it hurt him too when Jarvis was like, I need to take a nap now. And you know, Stark's stuck out there in rural Tennessee in the middle of freaking winter. And he's like, Please don't go. Like he he had, he was so alone. He was alone,
1: truly alone. And for someone who pretends like he doesn't care if he's alone,
0: he really kind of does. Yeah. That's why he gets a kid sidekick cuz he can't be alone. <laughs> so, uh, something I really liked and it's why Iron Man 3 is my favorite of the Iron Man series. And it's also like in my top 3 of favorite marvel movies i love that they included stark having ptsd and the way they showed it uh it is incredibly rare in entertainment to allow your strong male leads to show anything less than i'm gonna say lightly scuffed male bravado right like we can have we can have one single moment of can i do this and then you have to get right back into doing it right they were not shy about giving him vulnerability. No. They did it three separate scenes devoted to him having a panic attack, you know, just throughout the movie. That is unheard of uh, in anything else that we that I've consumed as entertainment.
1: And I like that they kind of continued on with it too because it's not the first time we see this internal struggle with Tony. It they gave him a character trait and they've kind of let him keep it.
0: Yeah, I would say that his mindset going forward Especially when Harley tells him in his last panic attack that, well, you're a mechanic. Build something. I feel like that mindset is literally what propels the action of Act 1 in uh, the second Avengers movie, right? It's it's that drive to protect and build, build something to continue protecting.
1: Yeah, and by protecting, you have overprotected, and now we're not safe again.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean... I don't think he could have foreseen that. I, no, no one really should have been. But anyway, uh, this PTSD, in a way, it humanizes him and connects him to us in a real way that's even more that's even more personal than Banner and his rage. Like, we all feel rage. I know I do. And I struggle with that as well. But I don't turn into a raging monster that can blow through a wall as much as I can sneeze, right?
1: I mean, have you ever tried? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Just get
1: raging angry and take a running start at a wall. Uh,
0: I feel like the uh, two by fours stop my progress, um, much less a concrete wall. But does that stop the Hulk? No. Like I struggle with PTSD, especially during um, storm season. I I get it, uh, and I really appreciate it, and it's. And that's why. That's why this movie is one of my favorites. And it's real important for this episode, for me at least, to do it right.
1: Yeah, I know, because there are a lot of people, I'm sure, who can relate. Not necessarily to exactly the reasons why, because I think there are very few people that have thrown a nuclear bomb into a <laughs> an alien ship in a wormhole. <laughs> uh, but going through a traumatic experience and then dealing with the aftermath of that is a very human and very relatable thing for a whole lot of people. And mm-hmm. especially I think people who would enjoy an action movie like Iron Man. You know, I'm sure there are a lot of people who identified with it and, and saw it for what it was, which was a accurate representation of PTSD.
0: Did you have anything you didn't like about Iron Man 3? I mean, cause there are some genuine critiques of it that it deserves. Um.
1: Yeah. I, so I mean I think I think they leaned a little too heavily into the slapstick comedy mm-hmm. um I just don't think that I struggle to call it dumb humor fits for Iron Man just simply because Tony is portrayed as a character who is so intelligent
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and to rely on a faulty suit as the main driving, uh, influence for the plot moving forward that was a bit much all things considered cuz like we just saw an iron man that he told jarvis to you know cut the print time down and got an iron man suit in time to not splatter on the concrete so you mean to tell me his uh, newest shiniest iron man suit is just going to fall apart and yeah <laughs> uh, explode into a million pieces and it's a little bit of a stretch there for me uh, other than that, though, I mean, my general gripes with the movie are, are that. And then, like I said, I feel like the whole thing with the Mandarin has aged well. Right. Uh, at the time, it was a little bit funky, but now it, it, it is aged well. And that's all I'll say on that to not ostracize <laughs> anyone. But Fair enough. other than that, that's about where I'm at on it. I, I know you.
0: I've got two two things. And I feel like. One of them definitely needs to be called out. And one of them is just a story grip. So I'll hit that one first. Uh, As much as I enjoyed the buddy cop relationship between Stark and Rhodes, which was, er, which is one of Black's, uh, the director, that is like his bread and butter was buddy cop movies. So he really does a great job with that relationship between Stark and Rhodes. But I wanted more Rhodes in the movie. I wanted him to be more active in it. Now, while he's in Act 1 um, and Act 3, he basically plays plot device in Act 2. That, that's all he's there for. And that's... It's a waste. Yeah, it's a waste. It's it's a disservice, almost, to the character. And this is also a movie that, uh, you know, for being about Iron Man, has to be the longest Iron Man movie where he's not in a suit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He had a lot of just Tony Stark. Yeah. I would say it beats out Iron Man 1 would beat out out-of-suit Stark time compared to Iron Man 3. Or would have... Sorry, reverse that. You know what I'm saying. Point is, he spends a very long time out of the suits. And he's only in the suits for seconds, especially in the climactic battle. He's swapping suits like they're going out of style almost. Yeah,
1: he had a, <laughs> he had a different thing for every situation. He had yeah. one for every day of the week and then some.
0: Now, my last gripe is something I found during my research, and it does need to be called out. Marvel Entertainment executives killed the idea of Hansen being the the main villain in charge, and they were concerned with apparent merchandising losses. They were scared that having a female villain was going to hurt toy sales. That's insulting. That
1: is extremely insulting.
0: So that's why Killian was shifted to become the big bad at the end of the movie. And also why so many of the other, you know, basically Potts, but the other, the uh, Brant, I, I confused them earlier, but the uh, the extremist woman that Stark fights in the middle of Act 2, her and Potts and all of their scenes got kind of cut from earlier drafts like they were supposed to have a more prominent role within the movie and marvel was like mm, but we want boys to buy toys so no
1: okay but like they have to know that unless they have an exceptional standout villain or side character they're gonna sell a lot more iron mans and iron patriots than they ever will killians
0: yeah i don't i i don't even know if they sold a Killian action figure. To be honest, I'm sure someone on the internet can find that out for me and tell me about it in the robots Discord. But yeah, uh, that and for that to be the primary reason why you don't allow women to be villains, it goes back to uh, what we said in the like in the Venom character deep dive, right? They, yeah, she was. They, did...
1: they were supposed to be a woman.
0: Yeah, and they they, they were scared that it would hurt. Their future prophets. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> here we are. Uh, here we are. It's 20 freaking... It's in the 2010s, all right? And here we are still saying, well, women just can't be bad guys. Ladies, go out and be the supervillain of your dreams. Please. Is that an invitation? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, morally more so is an invitation to marvel if anyone at marvel happens to come across our podcast and hear this episode i am begging you let women be not just bad but evil let them have the greedy stereotype let them have the power hungry stereotype please and stop making
1: all of their origin stories
0: a man hurt me Yeah, we will, I mean, I can think of two movies.
1: How many female villains have the origin story of, I was scorned by a man and it made me hardcore? (laughs) Yeah. Too many. Stop it. It's a tired trope. I don't want to see it anymore.
0: I can think of maybe two MCU movies where the villain is a woman and one of them is because she's got daddy issues. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's not a good track record, Marvel. Do better.:
1: There's always an issue with some guy. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I think, that, I, I think oh, our grievances are known, and it's time to sign off for the night. <laughs>
0: uh, now I feel bad. I don't want to like leave off on like such a negative note. Uh, but yeah, that this is <laughs> the time to wrap it up. So for everyone listening, thank you for sticking around. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, yeah, and I. Uh, we hope you have a fantastic rest of your day.
1: Night, everyone.
0: As we all know, when it comes to making a movie, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that movie magic happen. And it is no different when making a podcast. Welcome to the credit section of the MCU Lorecast. Captain Shanko and I would like to personally think the following... For their incredibly hard work and faith in us to get this podcast rolling, Tom, the head of the Robots Radio Network, for hosting and mentoring, In Seven Legend of the Mass Effect Lorecast for inspiration, Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls One Ship podcast for introducing us, Let's Not a fellow tabletop gamer and friend for the amazing artwork, Pipe Men a veteran and friend for the outstanding music, our significant others for believing in and supporting us through this, and you, our fans, without whom this would be a vanity project. Let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And to quote stand the Man, Enough said. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the host of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora.
1: And all the fun things in between.
0: If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcasts.
1: We hope to see you soon.